It's not how we met, actually. <laughs> Wait, time out. How did we meet? Wow, I don't even remember how we met. No, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. We met through IIN? Through I- no, did I? How did I meet you? I don't even remember now. Holy cow. Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth. Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in finding your shine. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new week of the podcast. Today it's just me, Liz, doing a solo episode. No, I'm not. I'm actually not doing this whole episode, but I should because I kind of own Nina for all these solos lately. Uh, no, we usually record the intro outro after our episode, but Nina had to jet off to Cleveland. So here I am taking it solo for just a little bit. Maybe, maybe I'll do my own solo episode soon. But today we're actually interviewing Caitlin Parsons and she is a certified holistic health coach. She went through the same program that Nina did, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And she helps work with high achieving women all over the country on cravings and emotional eating and really helps people feel empowered around food, not controlled by that craving, that yo-yo dieting, binge eating, all the things that um, as women we often struggle with. So we had a really wonderful conversation about you know, how to, as a high achieving woman, which I feel like a lot of women that listen to this podcast probably fall in that camp, how we can have a healthier relationship with food. She talks a lot about her story and it's really, really powerful. I think it's one of, um, it was a really in-depth discussion of her story. And I think there's a lot that you can learn from it. Um, I would like to issue a trigger warning for anyone that has really struggled with disordered eating in the past. Um, this is a really in-depth overview of her story. Um, there's some topics in here that are sensitive. So if you're triggered by some things related to, you know, disordered relationships with food, I might just take that into consideration. If you, you know, decide maybe not to listen to the story, if you're feeling like you're in a place where you're not able to handle that. I just wanted to make sure that I threw that out there for anyone to warn them. Um, But the conversation is really, really great. And we hit a lot of important topics. I'm sure you'll learn a lot. But before we get started, I wanted to, if you are coming to Empowered Voice, or if you're thinking about it and you're like, hmm, but like, what will I eat? I don't know why this is a thought you would have, but maybe you're in that camp. I'd like to just give a shout out to our lunch sponsor, Rebel. They have a non-GMO menu of really great customizable bowls, um, any kind of dietary preference that you have, paleo, gluten-free, vegan, just really good food. You can you know, choose a variety of stuff that works for you and your preference. Um, we're really, really excited to have them as our lunch sponsor. So you will get that at Empowered Voice. We just wanted to let you know that you can check them out at We Are Rebel. Rebel.com. That's we are rebol.com. Learn more about them and hopefully you'll get to have some of their great food at our event. So that's my solo intro. We'll get into this joint episode with Caitlin Parsons. Listeners, we are with my dear friend, Caitlin Parsons, who I met through Instagram, right? Is that not how we met? 
It's not how we met, actually. <laughs> Wait, time out. How did we meet? Wow, I don't even remember how we met. No, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. We met through IIN? Through I- no, did I... How did I meet you? I don't even remember okay. now. Holy you cow. the Cliff Notes story of how we met? Yeah, give me the Cliff Notes version <laughs> of our first We were meeting. at the Good Fest and I oh. didn't actually meet you there, but we were at a dinner together afterwards. Oh, yeah. I was leaving the dinner. Wait, then I was there. You were there too. Then Liz, Liz was yep. there. Oh. <laughs> I was leaving. You guys were showing up. And so we didn't even meet there, but I heard through the grapevine that you were starting this podcast. And so I started listening and I actually really liked it. And so I started fangirling with you guys. And then we started chatting over Instagram. And then we both just realized, oh, we're kind of at the same place in our business and started becoming friends online. And then we hopped on a call just to officially meet each other. And I invited you to stay with me in San Diego when you came out here. You're right. That is so funny because I remember a long time ago, like following your Instagram and just being like, oh yeah, there's that Caitlin girl on Instagram that like does kind of what I'm doing. (laughs) And then um, this is really funny because we had my other really good friend, Sari on here, you owe with Sari. And it was like the same story where all of a sudden I talked to them on the phone. I was like, I really like you. You're cool. Oh, hey, I'm just going to go stay at your house. Like I've never met you. (laughs) I've never met you before. Nina's guide to getting murdered. (laughs) Meet people on the internet. Can I stay at your home? Just kidding. Obviously didn't murder her. Exactly. You and Cody and Jackson Jackson. stayed with me. We all powwowed and got along. And my dog, Winnie, ate all of Jackson's food. (laughs) She did. And Jackson was very, very mean to Winnie the entire trip. I felt so bad. I was like, I just meet this girl. Well, Caitlin, but I like knew who you were. So it's not like just this random girl. But I was like, I first time she's letting me into her home. She just moved. I bring my dog and my dog is mean to her dog. Like, this is the worst house gift ever. It was so fun though. Well, Let's back up a little bit. Like now that everybody knows our beautiful meeting story, tell them a little bit about you. They obviously know that you're a coach, uh, that we do similar things, but our coaching styles have different focuses. Mm -hmm. So talk to them a little bit about this transition into coaching and how you got here. Okay. So I will zoom the lens back and just start at the very beginning of how my story evolved, if that's cool with you guys. Okay, sweet. So let's see. When I was going into middle school, I, well, before middle school, I think we can all kind of remember that time in our lives where you just don't really have that awareness of your body. You're just not really concerned. You're just worried about playing, you know, Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls and Barbies and all of the things with your friends and having fun in the summertime. And I think everybody has that moment when you, Every girl, at least, has that moment where you do realize, oh, I have a body and it's, it means something in society, you know, whatever. And we all have a different path with that. But for me, it really hit me when I was going into middle school. And it was this huge moment that I was waiting for because I was obsessed with Saved by the Bell. I was obsessed with Full House. I remember when DJ went to middle school and it was like this really big deal. And so in my mind, my best friends and I were just waiting for the day we got to go to middle school and get a locker and hopefully get a boyfriend and pass each other notes in the hallway and all of these things. And so we were at this 
next chapter in our lives. It was summer break and in between fifth and sixth grade. And I remember going back to school shopping for the first time. And it was the first time that I was shopping in the junior section, which was also a huge deal. Ooh, right? Yeah. It was such a big deal. And I went with my mom. I got all these clothes. And it's so funny to reflect back on that experience because I remember shopping then and just thinking, oh, this is so cool. This is so fun. No concern at all about what I actually looked like from a body confidence perspective, but more like, I love these clothes. They make me feel good, right? And I remember bringing the clothes home and calling up all my girlfriends and all of us talking about how we went shopping with our moms and a few few of us went shopping together. And the topic of size came up because we weren't in the kids section anymore. We were in the junior section. So the sizing was different. And it was the first time where I realized, oh, I, I guess we're not all the same anymore. You know, It was suddenly just a way for that comparison to start. And for me to really recognize, oh, this is a thing like body image and, you know, being having more awareness of your body. And it was like in a moment, I was, I had this thought of, wow, things are changing, you know? And I had this like out of body experience almost where it was like, ah, oh, this is my body, you know? And I, I guess people are aware of this. So at that point, realizing it was a little different and, Truth be told, I I wasn't in a larger body even. I was just dealing with the fact that it was a different size, a higher size than my friends. So going into middle school and wanting to fit in and feeling secure with all of these different changes and everything, I immediately thought, okay, well, I guess I should start thinking about how I eat. Is that what people do? And just kind of started sniffing that out and figured out what a diet was for the first time and didn't even really know what I was doing. But I just remember being very specific with what I asked my mom to pack me for a lunch. And so this is like right after the whole, my my size is different than my friends. And then you were like, well, I must have to change what I'm eating. Mm-hmm. Like this was kind of right after mm-hmm. that. Oh my gosh. Okay. In middle In middle school. school. In middle school. And it was... You know, this was the late 90s. This was like right before 2000. And so I remember it was the height of low fat and fat free and all of those things. And so we had been buying products like that. But in my mind, I was like, oh, this is what low fat means. It means you don't get fat. And so it suddenly took a completely different meaning in my life. And so everything was smaller portions, low fat, fat free, all of these diet things that I was really trying to fill up with during the day. And I remember just being super restrictive writing. I mean, I don't know how detailed you want me to get, but I was I was obsessed. I was measuring my my body all the time, my waist, my boobs, my hips, weighing myself all of the time, just measuring the sizes that I was going through in my clothes and things like that, over exercising, under eating, all of these things. Did you have a size in mind? Were you like, this is what I should be? Or were you just sort of like using it as a control mechanism? Like I can see that the numbers are going down. Yeah, I wouldn't. I'm not going to talk about numbers or anything because I don't want to trigger anybody, but I did. I I had a number in mind on the scale that I wanted to see. And I based that off of obsessively researching different models, statistics online. 
I was obsessed with celebrities and models and how they maintained their size and any type of tricks or secrets that they had that I could kind of take away from. And I remember this is like when Wikipedia was a thing and people, you know, we would like log on online and like search Wikipedia. That was what was fun mm-hmm. online. And I remember just random websites having the the stats for celebrities, like what their measurements were and what their, their height was and weight was and all of these things. And I remember just basing my total identity and body image goals off of these statistics. So... And nobody was telling me to do this. I, I was creating it for myself. And so I was going through middle school, just obsessing, restricting, eating all of these things in secrecy too. I, it really wasn't... It wasn't in a sense of making it seem like it was a big problem. You know, I had people commenting, but not to the extent where it was like, oh gosh, like you, you really need to do something about this because I was keeping it pretty... Uh, close slip. And- Did you also have people complimenting too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes it really problematic. It's like, you look so good, but they have no idea what it's taking to look quote unquote good, which is just society's warped view of what looks good. Yes. I talk a lot about that now just because you don't realize what those comments mean to someone else. And so by telling someone you look insert compliment word. You know, you look great. You look skinny. You look fit. You look, you know, all of these things. Well, that's that's like a, a marker in your mind that you have to now measure. Okay. Well, if I'm not at this weight, that means everything else, I must not be good enough or I must not be attractive to society or things like that. And so I think it's incredibly triggering. And I can say that from personal experience, you know, those compliments, when I wasn't getting them, I was thinking something's wrong. And so one of my, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say one of my big, big anxiety triggers when I would be in like the depths of anxiety is I couldn't eat. Like I, I had no appetite. I felt sick to my stomach. Some people like overeat when they're anxious, like not me and the opposite. And I remember actually when I (laughs) broke up with Cody for like a month in college. Do you remember that time of my life? Um, I was so anxious. Oh my God. It was bad. But I lost weight like because I couldn't eat. And so I remember like somebody specifically coming up to me. I was teaching music lessons at the time in college. And one of like the instructors or parents or something was like, wow, did you lose weight? You look so good. And I was like, I, d- I'm miserable, I did. Actually. But I'm miserable. <laughs> like, thank you for like, like, you know what I mean? Like, you never know somebody's story. You never know. And I was, I had not purposefully tried to lose weight. I was like actually really upset that I wasn't hungry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a conversation that I don't think we're having uh, or we're not having enough of that conversation right now. And I think it's incredibly confusing and people don't know how to give compliments without attaching it to body image. And so I think it's just a matter of retraining our conversations as females, especially, and males too, like how to actually show somebody that you are supportive or happy for them or or whatever without associating it with the physical appearance and aesthetic and weight and everything. So, So needless to say, when I was at the end of middle school, I had spent three years just restricting, restricting, restricting. And I wasn't diagnosed with anorexia or anything, but I was dieting like crazy. And I remember some girls dealing with eating or eating disorders specifically in middle school. And um, 
if anybody was dealing with bulimia, it was one of those diseases where it was like, oh my gosh, like this is like lifetime movie. Like this is really bad, you know? At the end of middle school, I remember I was babysitting. I was, I remember this day like it was yesterday. I remember babysitting at a, at, uh, a little girl's house, going over there and just feeling like, cool. And this is my babysitting gig. I was not the best babysitter, by the way. <laughs> I had like business cards and everything. Oh my God. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> well, entrepreneur from the beginning. We're like, we're like slowly uncovering like more about your personality. It's like, I'm type A, I got my business cards. I'm ready to babysit. Like, I'm I also like 12. <laughs> they, were, yeah. they were magnets too. So they could like have Ooh. that in their house. But I, I like never babysat because I hated it. <laughs> so I had the whole business without actually executing. So anyways, I remember going over here, ordering pizza, just feeling like, whoa, this is so good. And I never allow myself this. And so eating a second slice and a third slice and a fourth slice and just getting to that point where I was super full, the kids were asleep. And I just remember going into the bathroom and thinking like, I feel like this would be easy to get rid of this. And it was the first time I purged and it the only way I can describe it is it was this euphoric high where it sounds so sick and twisted to say, but it really was like a drug hit. You know, it was this this hit of endorphins where you felt like light and just on top of the world and like you had the key to solving this problem. You could eat whatever you wanted and then not have to actually sit around and deal with the repercussions from it. You know, I didn't have to worry about it. I've never heard anyone say that or explain it before. And that makes so much sense when you say it's like a drug hit because you do, you get this like satisfaction or like you said, this euphoric feeling. And that makes so much sense to why it, you start the cycle. Mm-hmm. Like you've outsmarted the body. Like, exactly. Uh-huh. I got exactly. You. It's yeah. a total control thing. So I had been controlling my body and manipulating my body through restricting that I was finally able to eat whatever I want and maintain that. I felt like it was a magic wand effect or something. And so in my mind, I was terrified because I was like, holy crap, I can't believe I just did that, which is what I imagine most drug addicts do. I'm not I'm not saying that lightly, but it's it's pretty crazy. And so it was honestly just like a one-time thing where I kind of thought like, okay, if that ever happens again, I know that I can do this, but I'm not going to make it a regular habit. And little by little, I would just use that that card again and again and again. And by the you know my freshman year in high school, it was a full-blown thing. And it was uh, every day, multiple times a day, just binging and purging, restricting, binging and purging, a vicious cycle. And I would go through periods throughout high school where I I could kind of keep it under control a little bit more and then it would act up again. It was really bad towards the end of high school, senior year, just applying for colleges, having all of that stress on my plate. Just that huge, again, like another big life change coming my way. And I just didn't know how to deal with all of that. And just felt totally out of control in my mind and my body, all of these things. And I also, I didn't really know how to eat in a way so that I could stay full. I was so out of touch with my hunger and fullness cues. I was, my blood sugar was waxed. I didn't even know what blood sugar balance meant, which I understand most people don't. It's what I teach now. And so I'm 
I'm super aware of it. And also how to just enjoy food and how to... I didn't know how to not diet, you know, because I had been doing it for so long. And at that point, I was just so confused. I didn't know how to feed myself. I, I would, in college, it was like a piece of my rock bottom, but I would just restrict all day. I would binge on gum and mints and cough drops and just anything that I could do to eat as little food as possible and then get to the end of the day. And just, I was alone. It was, it was extremely depressing. I had a ton of anxiety. I had uh, no awareness of how to actually feed my body so that I was feeling good and nourished so that I didn't have this restrict binge cycle. At that point, it was just so far into the deep end that I was like, well, I'm here. I just have to deal with this. And I honestly thought that it was a hole that I was never going to crawl out of. I just thought that this was my life. I had surrendered to the fact that this was just something I was always going to have to work with. And I was trying to make it work as best as possible and was not telling anybody. I had told maybe one or two people. Um, My mom is a dental hygienist. And so when I was in college... um, My sophomore year of college, I think, I came home and... I want to just share this too, because there's so much anxiety that's in my life. And I know that you can relate to this, Nita, in in your own way. But there was so much anxiety just from not feeding myself with proper nutrients and just having so many things spinning out of control. And one of the biggest pieces of anxiety for me too was this secret that I was keeping so close to my chest could be revealed at any moment because my mom is a dental hygienist and I knew I was just waiting for her. I was waiting for that day where she was going to be able to see to see like, oh, something's not right here. And I went home one day, she cleaned my teeth and I my heart was just pounding out of my chest. I can remember looking up at her eyes while she was cleaning my teeth and I could just see the light bulb go off in her mind. I'm like getting goosebumps as you're telling this story too. Like, oh, holy cow. Like I can imagine. I'm like feeling it in your body right now. Yeah, it was intense. I'm getting goosebumps too. Yeah, I could just see her eyes and I knew that she knew in that moment. And she kind of just took a pause and said, hmm, let me go, let me go see something. And she went and she brought in the dentist and they approached it in a really gentle way. They said, you know, you've got a little bit of erosion on your teeth is do you know why? And I made up some BS excuse like, oh, I'm eating a lot of citrus lately. And I you know, I just love oranges and all of these things. Any kind of lie that I could get so that I didn't have to actually say. And then finally, by that night, I was like, I can't. I can't. Like, I've got to. I've got to just like open up about that. And you told her? I did. It was, you know, this... My family was incredible. They were so supportive. But it was also this moment where I was like, wow seven years at that point of a lie that's just completely coming out. And so we put a plan together. I was adamant about going back to school. I did not want to go into a rehab facility. I wanted to finish my degree. So I started doing therapy on the side, working with an eating disorder counselor, going once a week, doing all that. And I was able to get it under under control. I was able to at least manage the binging and the purging and really start to eat again. But I think that's one of the challenges too about doing treatment and not having a full team. I was... 
I was just yeah, thinking I was that. working on the piece. I was working on the mental piece and beginning to understand why I was doing this, but nobody was telling me, okay, this is how you actually build your plate. This is how you actually eat throughout the day to understand your mind-body connection, understand your food cravings, understand your hormones, like all of these things and really just eating in a way so that you you had the nutrients to thrive. So I was, Because there's yeah. a physical stressor there's a, and there's a mental stressor. Absolutely. And like you really you really really do need to work on the mental piece. Like you were at the point where you had to start there. Like you have to start with the mental piece yes. and get the awareness. But if nobody's also saying like, well also if you don't eat these things, your brain is still going to be craving. Like you're still going to be struggling. You're still going to have anxiety. You're still going to be struggling with your mood fluctuate. Your your hormones are going to be so out of whack. It's going to be hard for you to even work on the mental tools mm-hmm. because your body's kind of working against you. So it's like- Yeah. And yeah. in my mind, and I, I don't blame anybody for this because I, I was getting that feedback. Like you should really work with a nutritionist. You should really work with this person. And in my mind, I was thinking, are you kidding me? I have, I've been obsessed with, food most of my life, I can certainly figure it out. I know everything, everything, right? I was like, I know everything. And I look back at that now and I just want to give myself a big hug, but I'm also so grateful that I had that time because I get that when I'm working with a client now and they do think they know everything. They do... They are scared about raising their hand and saying, like, I need some help. And they're ready to just keep going at it on their own because that was me. You know, like, I get that 100%. Was there also the fear that if you, like, were introduced to what you quote unquote should be, like, someone guiding you in your eating, that you would take it to an extreme anyway? Did you have that fear that, like, if someone provided you with information, you'd find a way to make it? go back to where you were? Oh, I was still in disordered eating. So it wasn't even the fear of like, I'm totally healed and I'm scared of going back. If anything, I was still researching diets. I was just I was just concerned about getting the bulimia under control, the actual physical binging and purging, right? Like to me, that was a mile marker of like, oh, this is all good to go, right? Because I'm not actually... You're not doing the worst part anymore. Exactly. Exactly. But oh yeah, I was super, super entrenched in diet culture and just obsessed with with dieting and food and all of that thing, all of those things. And so I was able to manage that. And then when I graduated from college and I started my career, I moved from Florida to Philadelphia. And it was the first time I had like a big girl job. And I was just totally, totally stressed again. You know, I was putting a ton of pressure on myself. I didn't... It was... You know, we all go through this. You know, you're paying your bills for the first time. You're living in a completely different city. You have your first job where you're... You have a boss who's giving you reviews and promotions and you're climbing up the corporate ladder. It was just a lot all at once. I didn't have any friends because I was just in a new city. A lot of, a lot of things. And so... Again, I started just without even realizing it, I was binging and purging again and was going through that action, able to manage it, kind of going back and forth, back and forth. And by the time I was in my mid-20s, it had gotten so bad, just totally hit my rock bottom. I remember one day, it was like February in Philadelphia. So you guys know how yeah. miserable that time yeah. of the year is. Cold and dark. <laughs> yeah. It's cold. It's dark. I I remember if you know if you really want me to paint a picture, 
it was a Sunday morning. I remember going down to a convenience store, buying bags of chips, convenience store donuts, you know, boxes of like macaroni and cheese, like all of these things, having my little binge sesh purging and then looking at the teeth because it was like the first thing that I always did after I purged. And I remember seeing that my teeth were becoming like super translucent and my heart just stopped because I thought, oh, if this is what's going on externally, I don't even want to know what's going on inside, you know? And so it was terrifying, just absolutely terrifying. And so I called my sister, I called my parents, I called my best friends, I told them what was going on. And it was the, it was just a point where it was my, like, this is it, like, this is it forever. Like yeah. this has to stop. You have to hit those moments in your own timing. Mm-hmm. And some of us, I think, are like, we just have these like very like stubborn personalities, which are good in some aspects and like not so good in others. But it takes us to that point where it's like your body literally will not let you go on anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're like, I got to change this around. I relate so much to this in like a different way. Um, and I'm sure Liz, you are too. It's just like, we've all had this experience. Yeah. I'm sorry, keep going. Well, no, just to wrap it up. I mean, that was the, that was like my rock bottom, like official rock bottom, except I knew that time I was like, okay, I've been here multiple times where I've said like, this is it, I'm done. But I knew intrinsically like this was it. And I also knew that some other things had to change so that it really was the final time. So I started going to therapy again. I started working with an eating disorder therapist and really getting the help there. And I started looking at food differently. And that was the game changer for me. I started rather than just thinking that it was you know, a disease that I had or, or something that was disconnected from my body. It was the first time where I ever realized, okay, how can I use food to help me instead of hurt me? How can I... Like, I have to eat. We all have to eat. So how can I understand food in a way so that I actually like get how to eat? Like, I understand how to eat so that I feel good in my body. I feel energized. I feel level-headed. I feel balanced. I feel joyful, like all of these things. And I knew that was such a high mountain to climb up, of, climb up, but I knew that's what I had to do. And so I just started researching. I just started reading a ton of nutrition books, which I had never done before. They were always diet books. And this is the first time I was actually looking at nutrition versus dieting, listening to a bunch of podcasts, watching different videos, different things like that, and just started feeling better. I just started eating more rather than less, realizing, okay, this is what it's going to take. But also finding a way to... Finding out... like Realizing how to eat and how to nourish my body so that I could repair my hunger and fullness cues. And I worked on that with my therapists and everything too. But um, just having... I hate this word because it's so cliche, but having a balanced approach to food and really understanding, okay, what type of food do I need to eat to feel certain ways in the day? Like Sometimes I just want to celebrate. And that means like cake and Doritos and everything. And in a way that's mindful and enjoyable and where you're making like those social connections. And sometimes... I say this all the time with clients, like sometimes it's a 13 hour hour day and you're like, okay, I actually have to eat something that's going to give me that energy and sustenance and 
provide a foundation so that I'm not obsessing over my cravings all day long so that I actually have the energy to get from point A to point B. And it was really just a, a long road of figuring that out. And um, while I was figuring that out, I met my husband. We were starting to date. He was severely lactose intolerant. And it was also at that period where I was I was looking at nutrition for the first time rather than diets. And so I started to help him with that and just was kind of seeing like, okay, maybe can we shift some things? Like, can we swap some things rather than like eliminating altogether and really just readjusting your plate rather than like putting you on this incredibly restricted diet? And to this day, I mean, he still he still eats this way. I've I've you know, he's your first client. I know. I kind of like think that too. It's funny, and he's totally like he's great. And um, it was just the first time where I was like, this is crazy. People don't talk about this enough in terms of how powerful food is and how we should be eating more rather than less, but also not putting it on a pedestal either. I do think that's one. And I know we can totally go off on another tangent with this. We're in this moment where food is so glorified. And I was just talking with my cousin who's an eating disorder therapist. She was just on my Facebook interview the other day. And she was saying, you know, food is a way to enhance your life. It's not to control your life. And it's not to just set the tone for everything that you do. And when she said that, I was like, that's literally everything that I... That's my message wrapped up into one like tiny little bow. It's just a way to enhance your life and also to create more awareness. So so I did. I went back to school for, for nutrition. I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which I know you graduated from, Nina. Yep. And I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I made a vision board and I put, I want to be a a certified health coach on the vision board. I thought that's what I wanted to do. But when I was in school, I started coaching clients for free just to see if I even liked it. And I loved it. Um, I just felt like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, (laughs) you know? And so um, it's just evolved from there for the past few years, just working with different clients and and figuring out how I, I love supporting women. I have a question that because I'm actually, which I, I don't know how much you know, but I'm in a health coach program right now to do intuitive eating specifically focused um, coaching. But I'm curious when you work with women that have, that come to you and often like may have experiences that are similar to yours, how do you know if like they're a good fit for health coaching or if their issues need warrant like seeing something, someone maybe like a therapist or someone else? Like, how do you find that line between the two? Because I feel like it's such a blur between like disordered eating and an eating disorder. If you know what I mean? Like there's, there's such a fine line there between it's a, it's a spectrum the way we handle our relationship with food. I feel mm-hmm. like. I'm super sensitive to that. And I am just very clear with my scope of practice and how I can support clients. And I, I'm a big proponent of therapy in general. I think that even if you are working with a health coach, having a therapist on the side, as much of the mindset work as, that I do with my clients and as much emotional support that I really do tie into how I work with my clients, because that is a, that is a huge piece of how I work with clients as on the side of nutrition and just 
food and and all of those things. There are some things, and that's why I always do a consult right up front so that I can have a really clear understanding of where you're coming from, what you're struggling with. If you're in an active eating disorder, I'm not the best fit for you. And that's and I'm very clear about that. And I also there's there's been plenty of consults that I've had where I've referred out because it's just then it's not the right fit. You know, I know exactly I know right away when I get on the phone with someone if I've been able if I'm able to help them or not. It's so clear right now just because and you'll get there too, Liz, like when you start having consults and working with clients, you just know who the women are that you're meant to help because there tends to be a pattern with symptoms and lifestyle and just commonalities, common threads between the women. And so um, you can feel it. You can feel you can it. Kind of feel, yeah. You can. And and yeah, and I'm I'm not afraid to refer out at all. In fact, that's my goal every time I get on the phone with somebody is I just want to get them help. And so if that's with me, I'm gonna let you know that. And if that's with someone else, I'm going to refer you to that person who can get you the help that you need because you know, personally, that's all I wanted. I just wanted somebody to point me in the right direction when I was struggling with that and somebody to say like, yes, I can help you. I can help you. I've got you. Or I know exactly who can help you. I love that so much about your coaching. I mean, because you referred someone to me for hormone stuff and it's just you and you're so aware of like, this is what I do. And the core of what you want to do is help someone. So if that's not the right fit, like you want to send them to somebody that's going to help them. And we've actually talked too about combining what we do because like there is so much crossover, like back to what you said, Liz, it's like, yeah, sometimes people need the nutrition stuff or sometimes they need a little bit more like dig into the hormones. And then sometimes they need more of like the mental health stuff. And it's just like create a little team, like creating a team of people to help you is not bad. You don't need one or the other. And I also found, just to like answer your question, like if you are seeing a therapist or something or someone, whether it's for anxiety or for an eating disorder, that's like you go in and you have your service and you leave. But with a coach, it's somebody that's there. To, they're a coach. They're there to support you. So they're there to like ask the questions with you. They're there to cheer you on. They're there to do the research for you and like give you everything you need. But then a therapist still serves their purpose or an endocrinologist still serves their purpose, right? They're, they don't have to all be separate. They can all work together. And I think that's actually when I see people make the most shifts is when they have their team mm-hmm. of people. And sometimes it just starts with one person. You know, it, it's great if you can afford, you know, financially, emotionally, all of the things to have a full on team because that's where you're going to really thrive. But just pick one person to start because that is going to to set off the pattern for you to realize, oh my gosh, I have the capability of doing this. I can heal. I know that it's possible. And I know that this person is, it's like having a financial team, you know, your accountant isn't going to do your taxes and your, you know, person who's doing like your 401k and like just all of your future financial planning and all of that, it's probably going to be a little bit different, you know? So it's, it's the same for your health too, especially if you're in a very sensitive space where you are dealing with something like this. And I think it's also important... Like My business has evolved so much. My message has evolved so much. What I'm saying now, how I work with women 
at this point in my business is not how I started out. I didn't know what I wanted. I just knew I wanted to help people. But now I know exactly who I want to help and how I want to help them. So I really work with um, career-driven women who struggle with emotional eating and food cravings and yo-yo dieting. And I really help pull them out of that and understand how to eat so that it's easy so that they can build a lifestyle where they don't feel um, they where they don't feel like they have to just stay in the kitchen to get results. Um, and you can start to see that weight release, not just physically, but truly on an emotional level and a mental level. So you're not obsessing over food or numbers or points and you're not plugging in all of the time and you're you're able to really release that emotional burden that food has had and the food guilt as well. And then really when you are at a place where you're balancing your blood sugar, your digestion is on point, that's when you can see any type of physical weight start to slowly release because you aren't in this restrict binge, restrict binge cycle. Your body's a little bit more normalized and you are able to have more intention and mindfulness when you're choosing your food, right? And so... What would you say in working with career-minded women specifically, do you find... like What commonalities do you find with their drive at work and their relationship with food? Mm -hmm. Very, very all or nothing. Very... um, well, if this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen, screw it, <laughs> right? Very um, driven, mm, competitive with themselves, high expectations of themselves, high achievers. So me, got it. Understood. I understand now. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of pressure on on themselves, and a lot of you know they are usually in positions where they are working for themselves but they also have a team to support or they have meetings that they have to do a lot of client facing with or things like that and so they're in the spotlight a lot without actually being in the spotlight all the time and so there's that need for that confidence piece um and feeling just completely out of control and self self sabotaging a lot of the times even if they do have success i see a lot of my clients um, having a really hard time just allowing themselves to celebrate those wins. They feel like even when they're successful, they need to self-sabotage with food because they're just not worthy of it in some way. So do you find that a big piece of it, of course, is talking to people about balancing blood sugar and digestion, but how often are you working on that mental piece? And do you find that it's difficult to ever like really reach them at that level? Or is it just through time and coaching? Like you have to dig into why are you worthy aside from food, aside from your career and all of that? Um, like talk to us a little bit, I guess it's a long-winded question, but talk to us about the mental piece of the coaching that you do. It's huge. So my my method is called the Modern Girl Method. It's a three-phase weight release method. So as I mentioned before, releasing weight emotionally, mentally, and physically, if you actually do need to release any of that weight. Um, the physical weight is not a like super, super intentional focus of my program. It's really helping you step away from dieting so that your body can fall at its natural set point weight. Um, But the three phases of that are mindset. So that's huge. That's a core principle through how I work with every single client, releasing that all or nothing mindset, releasing the dieting thoughts, releasing the restrict binge scenarios that are going on in your life and in your mind. And then 
The second phase would be balancing your blood sugar and then digestion. So understanding your body chemistry, optimizing your day-to-day detoxification system, which is so confusing right now because detox is such a hot buzzword, especially at yeah. Thomas. And I think I did a whole post on this actually about like, how like detox your body does not mean green actually, juice. Yeah, mm-hmm. your body like does it on its, it does own. It on exactly. its own. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so it's helping them understand that and work with that so that they can have these results without feeling like they have five extra things on their to-do list every day or they're restricting or feeling deprived and all these things. But from a mindset perspective, we can't move forward unless that work is done. And I'm constantly reminding clients of that because let's just say you do have your blood sugar balance. Let's just say that you are eating in a way where, yes, when your blood sugar is balanced, you're reducing your food cravings throughout the day. And so you're not having those obsessive thoughts all the time. But if you still are in that diet mindset or you still have those all or nothing thoughts, the first time you have something that is going to dysregulate your blood sugar or a treat food or a fun food or something that's... I'm bad or you feel like you've done something I'm good. I'm bad. It's all or nothing. It's I'm going to go back to being good next week. And so... I'm pretty quick. I'm pretty quick to call my clients out when I see yes. that coming up, because it's just that is the thing that is going to roadblock all of your efforts. Everything else that you're doing, if you really can't heal the mindset piece and prioritize that, it's spinning your wheels. And I wouldn't be doing my job as a coach if I wasn't addressing that first and foremost, because it's just it, it's the key for everything. Um, really, just healing that and repairing that mind-body connection piece. Have you found a better word for balanced? Because it's so hard because I want to say... I know. Like you're... um, For example, you know, I do this gut reboot a lot. And so I'll hear my clients come back and say, I ate this, I ate that. Like I I was bad. I was like, no, 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 no. It's not bad. It's not good. We want to approach it, but I don't ever want to say the word balanced. And so I'm always struggling to find the right word. How do you approach that conversation? Like... Yes, these foods serve your body, but like this also serves your body well too. Like have the cookie. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. What what verbiage do you use to help come a- get that point across? Well, I use the word joy a lot. You know, what food is really bringing you joy? What food brings these really happy feelings and just makes you feel good and creates this emotional experience that... Um, we all need, you know, we all need these things. But then I feel like Marie Kondo because I feel like the word joy is... Hold it up. Yeah. <laughs> Hold it Best up. Does this bring you joy? joy? So no, if you have a word, please let me know. Um, Maybe we'll have a combo on this later and we'll come up with a good word for balance, yeah, but, balance and black and white thinking. Yeah, but I really, I do think that it is just a matter of, you know, being very honest with yourself and, and recognizing... My whole theory and my whole message when I work with clients is you choosing the food rather than the food choosing you. Just like I was saying before, uh, coming to each day with more awareness and more intention. So if you have a 13-hour workday with lots of travel and back-to-back meetings and you've got you know maybe a photo shoot or you have to stand up and present and everything what you eat that day is probably going to look a little bit different than a Sunday if you wake up and you just have a completely open calendar and you're chilling all day. you know. And it's not getting into that space where it's like, oh, well, this is the good food. This is the bad food. No, this is the food that's going to bring you a little bit more energy. So understanding that and then also giving yourself grace if you don't choose that food. 
there's plenty of days where you'll have a 13-hour workday and you still choose the muffin in the morning and you've got to let it go. You've got to realize that this perfectionist mentality is just not going to serve you in the long run. And so the where I really get fired up in working with clients is just helping them understand that at first, really helping understand, okay, what what food can you really get behind to help you feel this way to really enhance the goal that you have in your life right now or the experience or the emotion? So choosing that and being very clear about that, but also understanding it's not about perfection. And these are just tools for you to be able to understand now because like I was saying before, when I was going through it, I was so confused. I was trying all of the things. I see a lot of my clients showing up saying like, I'm eating all of this you know, whole grain cereal in the morning and I have a granola bar in between breakfast and lunch. And then lunch, I have a salad and then I don't even eat until dinner. And I just have like a little bit for dinner and then I binge on dessert afterwards and all of that. And so that I have a lot of clients who come to me and say like, but I eat healthy. And I get that because it's so confusing. And there's so many... I don't really think that there's a definition for healthy eating, right? I think it's what works for you and your body and everybody's different as well. And so teaching you how to balance your blood sugar, which is not the example that I just gave, so that you have more awareness of how food affects your body just as an even playing field to start and then beginning to choose like, okay... I, I do want this and I, I do know how I'm going to feel afterward and I'm not going to feel bad about it. I just know how that food is going to make me feel because I'm more in tune with my body and my hunger fullness cues and also the sensation that's created from the food emotionally and physically. Well, I love that you just shared like, I love that you shared us this whole story from where you started until where you are now because it really painted this picture of we're not taught this information. I mean, what we're taught, honestly is the diet mentality and that your body and needs to look- And the food pyramid from and, way back when, which now is not a pyramid, right. something else. Right, exactly. Changing it up. Plate. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so when you really do think you're doing things correctly because that's what you've been taught. And so that's what's made us believe in black and white thinking and good and bad. And so when, once you learn, you're not a failure if you don't, the perfectionism is an illusion. Like when you said perfectionism, I was thinking the word in my head. And I was like, yeah, like, it's not, it's not attainable. And so it's just breaking all that down and realizing what we've learned for years and years and years is BS. And so it's going to take time to rework that. And it's going to take habit change. And that's where, you know, working with someone like you and a coach is so powerful. And I will, thank you. And I will just say also when your blood sugar is balanced, you, when your blood sugar is balanced and when your digestion is on point and your body is detoxing at a higher level, you will be able to have the pizza or the cinnamon roll or the ice cream and not feel like you are, you know, just on this pendulum or pendulum swing, like back and forth, back and forth with your weight and all of these things. You're able to just let it go. Your body's able to release that much easier. And it's also, I really work on releasing like that cheat day mentality too, because not about cheat days. It's about living your life. And if that means pizza on a Tuesday versus reserving that just for Saturday, you've got to be able to let that go and work with that. Because as you know, Nina, the stress is the stress and the anxiety is one of the key pieces for keeping any of the physical weight on that any anybody is really struggling with. Like that piece where 
Like I get it. That is that is frustrating if that's something that you just don't feel comfortable in your body. But at the same time, it's crazy. I work with a lot of clients who have a very specific number in their mind. Like I want to get to this number. I want to get to this number. And it's interesting because the moment that they start to understand, oh, this is how food affects me. It's like, that is where the mental weight gets lifted. That's where the emotional weight... And suddenly that number becomes irrelevant because they realize, oh, the lack of confidence that I was feeling in my body, the lack of all that weight that I felt like I was carrying around, how I felt in my clothes was really just tied to this tremendous frustration of not being able to figure out how to eat to feel good and how food affects my body, especially for my women who are naturally a little bit more type A and like the control piece. To feel so, yeah, and also well, they to think feel the number so will be the one with food. Like how how I'm doing all the things. I don't get it. How am I not getting results? The moment that you start to understand your body chemistry in a way where it's it's easier to just have that rhythm day to day, that's where you can start up obs- stop obsessing about the number and really just start enjoying your life because you don't have that mental pressure of trying to figure it all out. You just get it. I do want to go back and just pick out one thing you said because I almost feel like it'll wrap this up really, really nicely. And you said like when you were going through therapy and when you were really working on nutrition, you broke this mindset of like, this is a disease that I have. And I really loved that because in, in my world of anxiety or when it comes to eating disorders, it can really feel like this is me. Like I, there's just something wrong with me. And this is why I go through this. And you have this story of like, so so honestly, like I was in rock bottom with this. But now how have you learned? And I think this is the most important thing to like disassociate yourself with that and say, I am strong enough or like I have the tools and this doesn't have to be part of my part of my identity or it is a part of your identity, but it's not who you are. If you know what I'm saying, how did you start to break that? Just from like the feeling uncomfortable in my body and food and just feeling frustrated with that, like years and years of diet obsession, breaking free from that and everything. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Or like when I'm talking to women, they'll be like, but I have anxiety. I am anxiety. Or like, but I have it, but I have an eating disorder. I am an eating, like that you feel like it is who you are and you were able to break it. You know, it seems, so talk to me a little bit about that. Honestly, sorry. I understand what you're asking now. It, It really did take that education piece around food. You know, that's where it really, it was that light bulb moment for me of, oh my gosh, food is not my enemy. Food is actually like a big saving grace in all of this. And it's something that I need abundance of. I I don't need to restrict it. And it's just, it was just a matter of, you know, using food to help me rather than harm me and really shifting my mindset around that. But also... I was so I was so used to identifying with dieting and that eating disorder because I was so confused by food all the time. And so I was just constantly searching, 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 searching for that one diet that would solve everything or that one tip or the one um, strategy or whatever. I was just constantly obsessing over it and trying 
all of the things that when I finally realized, okay, it's really about letting all of that go. It's about crowding out all that BS and just getting back to basics, like very simply with food and sleep and water and joyful movement, not over-exercising, really just like letting go of the fact that this is so important because this is how society perceives me. It's more about how do I want to feel in my body, this house that I'm creating for myself. And also for anybody who's struggling with this, I constantly remind myself of this today with different things going on in my life. But I think back about my 22-year-old self binging at my desk and just completely spinning out of control in my head with all of these things and all these obsessive thoughts and all of these expectations that I was putting on myself and how nothing was ever good enough. And I was so scared about missing out on what I could be doing and how I could be feeling and all these things. It was so hard for me to live in the moment. And I look back now and I'm like, man, I was 22. Nobody cared, you know? Like there was so much time. Why wasn't I just happy? Why couldn't I just be happy in that moment and realize that it doesn't have to be perfect? Things are going to work out the way that they're supposed to and really let it go. And I'm not perfect now. Please, I have. I'm, we all just talked about right? how we yeah, are binge chips. I know. I <laughs> yeah. had like three RX bars before this call started because I was stress eating. And, yeah. You know, like I, we you know, all were just venting yeah. about our, our stress eating. Right? Like it's still something, believe me, I will forever be... This is not a problem that's just going away. And I don't want to say problem because it's more than that. But I'm so connected with just triggers and things in my life now. And I have a a basket of tools to be able to use, but I can also use the intention that I have around food too. So if I do have a third RX bar, I'm not just like in the closet saying like, how did this happen? You know, it's like, okay, I'm doing this and I'm getting over it, you know, because it's choosing the food. I know exactly how I'm going to feel afterwards. And by the way, I feel great. (laughs) I'm okay with it. And it was delicious and getting on with your life. And so Mm -hmm. that answer your question. I feel like that was a long, long winded. No, it does. And I feel like my question was also really hard to understand. And, but I always know what I mean in my head (laughs) when I say it. (laughs) But I guess, like, overall, what this conversation just really reminds me of is it doesn't matter what it is that's causing you the anxiety or if it's food or if it's, you know, like everybody has their own triggers. But we all are so much more similar than we think, right? Like, I feel like throughout your whole story, I felt relieved because I was like, oh my God, little Nina, all those anxious thoughts you used to have and like you would upset. It wasn't necessarily, I mean, some of it was food, but it wasn't like too much about food in my body. It was about other silly things. But I was like, it's the same thing that Caitlin was going through, but she just had something else that you were occupied with. And Liz, I'm not, I can't speak for you, but I feel like you also were probably like, this reminds me of little Liz. And this reminds me of college oh. Liz. And I was yes. like, this reminds me of how I went through the same process. And it's all about growth and it's all about learning and it's all about awareness. And I just think it's, it's such a powerful story. And I'm so thankful for you sharing it because I'm sure many women are sitting there like, wow, I feel way less alone right now. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share it. And I think it's so interesting that you brought that up, Nina, because I remember when you were over staying with me in San Diego um, and we were talking just about our, our messages that we share with our communities in this space. 
And you and you said something like, but I've, I've never really struggled with um, emotional eating or dieting. And I will admit for the moment that you said that, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like how? How what is that possible? Is but it's, it's so... Because I've never really struggled with the things that you are talking about. But there are so many women that do, you know? I've never- but you know what's funny is like, it's... I still had diet mentality though, mm. but that's like, I was eating low fat, sh- like low fat cheese and like fat free this and fat free that. And like always judging parts of my body. Like I still judge parts of my body. I just didn't have, it wasn't, my anxiety was somewhere else. If that yeah. makes sense. Like I wasn't constantly like food, 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 food or whatever. Mine was like, totally. It's a story for another day, but. I feel like it's all like, all these things are like one degree apart from each other. Exactly. Like cousins in some way. Like yes. they're all related and you can probably boil it down to like 90% being the similar. And you just have these little nuances that make each one of us like a little bit different. Exactly. Like, in terms of what we're going through. Yeah. So apologies for the way I must've phrased it. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I'm not saying that to like reprimand. I'm actually, I'm glad that you said that because it, it made um, it made me grateful that you don't have to go through that, and it also made me aware of okay, there are so many women out there who are struggling with something else, and this isn't it for them. For me, this was the thing that I had to go through in my life. That I'm helping other women who are on that journey right now. God bless them. Um, I'm able to help them and really pull them out of that hole, or at least help them, try to help them get out there, get out of there. And you're doing the same thing with the work that that you're sharing with your clients and your community and everything. And so it just, it really pulling this back full circle, it speaks to how we work with our clients and how we can both work together with both of our messages. Because I'm not meant to work with every single woman. And that's why I'm super clear every time I get on a call with somebody, this is so that I can determine if I'm the best fit for you and refer you to somebody who is if I'm not. But if I am, I'm going to let you know that I am 100% confident that this is this is the home for you. This is where you can get some help and I can help you get there. Yeah. We all have different backgrounds and stories and we're here to do we're here to do the work and help others and inspire them any way we can. And Liz, I cannot wait for you to get your intuitive eating certificate so you can do it too. Slow progress, but we're ever moving forward. Ever so. moving forward. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, hopefully I'll get to visit you in San Diego again soon. Yeah. I hope so too. And we can maybe Sans him. Jackson if he's being a jerk. Yeah, maybe Sans Jackson. <laughs> Leave him on the dog beach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But thank you so much. This has been so much fun talking to you in this platform. I talk to you all the time outside of it, but yeah. thank you for sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you so much. I just love what you guys are doing. And I know that you're helping so many women and I've been following you since day one. And so it just feels really special to be here and talking with you, even though we know each other outside of this space, but it's just yeah, very cool. And I'm very, I'm, I'm cheering you on and I'm, I'm so proud of you too. Also, thank you for giving me the opportunity. All right. Thanks again for tuning in. You get my voice on the way out. Solo outro. Just me here, Liz. 
Thank you again for joining us. Thank you to Caitlin for coming on. We did not mention, um, usually we're really, really good about saying like, let's talk about where people can find you. But I realized that we didn't in this episode because the conversation was just so great. So you can find her at CaitlinParsons.com. That's K-A-T-E-L-Y-N Parsons.com. She's also on Instagram, Facebook. I would make sure you check out her webpage. She has the Modern Girls Healthy Grocery Guide as something that you can access. And I would highly recommend checking that out. We could all use some supermarket help. I know I can. So make sure that you check her out on our website, download that guide for more information and continue to follow her journey online. She's got a lot of great stuff coming out. So thanks again to Caitlin for coming on. Thanks to you all for tuning in and a reminder that you can get empowered voice tickets. If you want to come here, wonderful speakers um, in the wellness space, either if you have a wellness brand or business or just like wellness and want to learn how to be more authentically you and get involved in that space, you can do that at empoweredvoiceconference.com. Tickets are going to end on September 7th. So we want to make sure if you want to go that you snag yours and you can have great lunch courtesy of Rebel. Shout out to them again, um, as well as wonderful swag from a host of other really great wellness companies. And we're really excited to have this event. So we hope to see you there if that's something you think you'd enjoy. We will catch you next week. Bye. Bye.